You're listening to I Got That One. Presented by Tom and Yvonne. Hey, is this thing on? I think so. It's been so long since we've done this. I have to dust off these mics. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. There were so many corpses attached to these mics. But at long last, it has returned. It the has returned. prodigal TV show. Four weeks later than expected. Yeah. I mean, it felt much longer than four weeks, I have to felt say. Like four years. Yeah. I mean, I was checking the iPlayer website day after day, just mm. seeing if it's been uh, you know scheduled or anything. But at long last, it is back. I still don't know why it took so long. If, it, if this that means this season is going to be a bit shorter or what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because also Only Connector was delayed. Because I think that they really want those two shows to be in tandem. Yeah. I guess because they want to make it a whole kind of Monday is the quiz day kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we dive into uh, this excellent first episode, mm. there are a couple of things that we do need to say. Of course, like everyone, we're... Saddened, but also this was coming, uh, the retirement of Jeremy Paxson, yeah. who has been ably steering the ship since 1994. Mm-hmm. And as we saw in the documentary about University Challenge uh, yesterday at time of recording, ooh, he was quite the young man. I mean, he was probably in his point. 40s, but it's just amazing to see him all those years ago when he had you know a full head of kind of black brown hair. Yeah, and it's very rare to see these days where mm. someone kind of stays in the same role for what 20 or 30 years and you can kind of see their evolution um, on screen as well. So that was really amazing to see. Yeah, I think it only really happens now in some British TV shows and especially the BBC. You tend to have yeah. these people who stay in these positions for ages and ages. Like John Humphreys was a radio broadcaster for the longest time. Uh, John Simpson as well. He's been around forever. The Attenboroughs. Uh, well, oh, yeah. Specifically, David Attenborough has been around since forever. But he's mm. old BBC family. His father was um, an embedded reporter in uh, the Second Amazing. World War, if I remember correctly. So, yes, you'll be very much missed, Jeremy, um, despite your occasional grumpiness and <laughs> sometimes being a little bit uh, terse to the contestants. I think your heart was in the right place. Yeah. and. You know, apparently off uh, camera, he was an absolutely wonderful person to be around. So, you know, uh, he'll be sorely missed. And of course, that means we now know who's going to replace him. Mm. And to say that this was a controversial pick is maybe uh, being polite about it. Yeah, I'm going to let you take this one, Tom, because I'm not so familiar with um, kind of British journalists and media. So maybe there's a bit more context you can provide. Yes, I'm not going to go on a full tirade. This is just going to be a couple of uh, my cents on I'm the thing. I'm watching you. So, of course, we all know that Amal Rajan, who we saw playing in the Christmas University Challenge mm-hmm. when he was uh, representing Downing College, Cambridge, where um, he didn't really impress in terms of uh, his knowledge or ability to buzz in. But that's not really anything that marks uh, his quality as a presenter. The main thing is that um, there are a lot of people who have drawn serious concerns about, one, how many jobs he has now at the BBC. He has, I think, now four positions. Right. He's media editor. He's a presenter on the Today program. He now has this. Mm. And I think he has something else going on as well. And his salary is now £600,000 a year. Oh, wow. I mean, it feels a bit political. It does, um, especially since uh, there seems to be someone uh, who was being groomed, as it were, to become the replacement for Jeremy mm-hmm. Paxman, Simra Ahmad. Mm. And she very clearly loves the program, mm. you know, has done some test recordings as well and gets on really well with the current uh, people. Now, that's not to say that Amal Rajan is not a fan. Uh, he's made it very clear that he enjoys this program as well. Yeah. 
But uh, there's questions about his, uh, you know, his prior work as a journalist, especially when he was the editor at the Independent, who was owned by Lebedev, whose son uh, oh, became uh, okay. in the House of Lords, despite being a security risk, according to um, MI6. So very political. Yes. Uh, so that's one whole thing. He's also been accused of being a client journalist. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean it will reflect poorly on his ability to present, but it's mm-hmm. just, this is a man with baggage. The more personal thing is um, he praised J.K. Rowling's abysmal scree against trans people um, in 2020. Ah, okay. He lauded the language and everything. And in a program which has made great strides to be far more inclusive and diverse, where this season for the first time we have no all-male team, where we have more and more LGBTQ people and we've had some very high-profile trans people taking part. And even a lot of questions about this as well. Exactly. And, you know, uh, they... One of the question setters for uh, this playing season, uh, apparently she's no longer part of it, Lillian Crawford. Mm. Uh, and she made her feelings about this very clear. And I'm inclined to believe that because she was there in the decision-making process, that there's something going on which feels a bit like a backlash yeah. Which is being pushed by the Conservative Party. Well, I mean, BBC has been um, getting some funding cuts, right? Yes. So it definitely feels like there's a desperate attempt to appease the ruling party to keep their funding. Yeah. And so maybe make some of the programming a little bit more inclined to, to their party yeah. interests. Yeah. This also coincides with um, a several panel shows being axed on the BBC who tend to have a very leftist stance. Mm. Now, with Mock the Week, uh, there's a claim that they wanted this to end for... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was very sad too. Yeah, but more, um, you know, uh, the MASH report, which was, you know, mm. very left-wing, very kind of, you know, diverse. Critical. That got axed. Mm. Yeah. So, look, we just don't know at this stage. Maybe uh, he will be fantastic, but there's definitely a sense, especially amongst those who are marginalized, um, that this yeah. is going to make environment not feel as safe and secure, which is so important for this show to be what it is. Yeah, and I think to, to be vocal about transphobia... I think that is particularly worrying. So I wonder how that will play out. Yeah, we shall see. Especially, um, I think that there'll be some uh, trans students who will probably think sure. twice about applying to be on University Challenge, which yeah. would be an absolute shame because yeah. no one should feel unwelcome on this show. Mm-hmm. Which is a show all about, you know, knowledge and community and, and working hard and yeah. Yeah, and as was demonstrated in the documentary about UC Challenge, Amazingly. the show became better once we started having women, when we started having a diverse range of interests in the question setters. So yeah. we had a much broader range than just, you know, questions about Tennyson and Shakespeare and yeah. classical music. <laughs> Yeah, which has led to some truly wonderful questions where everyone really felt like they could take part and right. really stretch the knowledge. And it's just made the show better for it. So, And just, I mean, you know, knowledge about the reality of the world that we live in. Absolutely. So, so hopefully this is not a sign of more reactionary changes to the show. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's just a case of, you know, uh, political choices to be presenter. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Now we should talk about the this first episode. The of a first episode. I don't think I've seen a better first episode. I know, it was high At least scoring, not recent memory. Um, no dropped points. Both really, really good teams. Very, very close to the finish. I mean, and even, what more could you ask? You know, as a slight peek behind the curtain about Stats Corner. Mm. So close that, you know... Were not for one percentage change, right. you would not be able to tell the difference between I the two know, teams. I know, I know, it's fantastic. So we had uh, this time it was Durham versus Bristol. 
Mm-hmm. And so we found that uh, Bristol was a bit more science-heavy, uh, more kind of medicine, maths, physics disciplines, whereas Durham was a bit more balanced. Yes. Now, we've talked about this in the past, uh, whether or not this gives an advantage. I think uh, the last two wins by Imperial in the last three years proves that um, having a balance in uh, you know the things yeah. you're studying doesn't necessarily translate to uh, you know, being better balanced in terms of your general knowledge. But in terms of what you know and what you bring to the team, which not always reflects your discipline, but kind of what your interests are more broadly, you as a person. Um, again, why diversity is so important for shows like this? Yeah, so very sure. I think that we're going to have to look at a lot more data to make a meaningful decision about whether or not being domain focused versus general is a benefit or a hindrance. Yeah. And uh, that's something that, you know, is not in our remit for now. <laughs> We're just having fun on this podcast. Really. Exactly. But yes, uh, I have to say two very lovely teams. Mm-hmm. I would say they all just seem like lovely people in yeah. general. Um, I especially like uh, McCoughlin's uh, choice of uh, knitwear on yes. uh, the Bristol side. Sartorial. Absolutely wonderful. But then... Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do have to mention, and we want to mean this in the most respectful way possible, um, Harry Scully on the Durham team. <laughs> I think he's going to be the next Twitter crush for this season. <laughs> we'll see. He had nice hair. He had I'll nice hair. <laughs> and I think he had a very genteel face, and uh, it, he's not just a pretty face, that's for sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's, we should not focus on one single uh, player, because... Yeah. These teams were so well-rounded. Everyone was contributing. Uh, most people were buzzing. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't buzzing, they were very clearly getting stuck in when it came to the conferring. Yeah. So, so I mean, Durham had the early lead, right? But yeah. then uh, Bristol had a bit of a, a rocky start. Mm-hmm. But then they came back very strong towards the end. Oh, they were very, motoring very, ahead in the second half. <laughs> in the end. But then that, I think, got um, Durham a bit hot. Mm. And then they had uh, they just managed to pull through by the skin of their teeth. It's just amazing. We've seen a few teams in the last few years where they seem to get seem to take a bit of time to get going. Yeah, you know they're kind of like a diesel engine. You know, take a little bit to warm up, but once they get going, they really get going. I know. Yeah. Which um, you know sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is the very first episode, and we've talked about it before. Where first time jitters is definitely a real thing yeah. because there's you know the first pre-TV qualification round that you take part in, but that's a closed studio. This is the first time you're performing in front of an audience, and Mm -hmm. now we are kind of post-COVID, but not really. And you're the opening match of the season as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if um, they're filmed in order necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think it's just they choose which ones to go first. So maybe this was chosen because it's such a cracker of a first one. Mm, But it was really, really great. We had a lot of fun. Absolutely. And yeah, I just... I was flabbergasted <laughs> because I was on the edge of my seat, especially in the last minute when <laughs> yeah, Durham finally overtook in the last was it minute just, um, almost. So it was final score of 185 to Bristol and 195 to Durham. And that was really from a last buzz. Truly uh, am- amazing. Nearly cracking 400 points between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. I don't think that happened last season. Oh, for sure I think not. last season got, took a while to get going. Yeah, especially the first episode <laughs> was a lot slower. Yeah. Um, not, I don't think that was a reflection upon the, the quality of the teams. Yeah. Because we saw uh, Kings get quite far in the, the, in the yes. rounds. It's just sometimes, you know, you just have slow starting uh, matches. Yeah. And actually, I think a lot of the uh, matches last season were fairly slow to start. I, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. the, almost the, the entire first round was pretty slow. Yeah, apart from and the Imperial game. Up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the good thing about this impressive score from both teams is that 
unless this is a truly stacked season, we are going to be seeing Bristol again in the best scoring losers, mm-hmm. which I'm very Ooh. happy for. Well, unless the other teams in the next few weeks perform similarly, which, then it becomes very hard which to Which is possible. It's definitely not outside the realm of possibility. They've definitely set very high expectations. Yeah, but considering uh, the cutoff point last season was 135, and that was already yeah. really impressive. Yeah. Um, mm. We'll see. But that means that, you know, other teams really have their work cut out to kind yeah. of bring the same level kind of... Yeah, but again, not mm. enough data points to make a meaningful conclusion. For sure. This is <laughs> the very first episode of the season, and this is just our first impressions. Speaking of first impressions, uh, maybe let's talk a little bit more about the teams themselves. Okay. Um, what's your impression of the Bristol team? Well, I don't know. We've only seen them for 30 minutes. Sure. Um, like you said, um, I think that they seem to work well together. I think we you, you can you can really see the strengths of individual players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they confer well together. So, yeah, I think I'd leave it at that for now. Yeah, I've... I'm slightly inclined to disagree slightly on the conferring thing Mm -hmm. because I feel like sometimes there were moments where the captain could have been a little bit more decisive in her choice. Yeah, I guess I I noticed that a few times. She kind of let uh, the people on the side of her kind of talk over her a little bit, Mm. which is fine. It means that they were engaging, but Mm. it's a little bit of... You know, you're on a little bit of a time crunch. Yeah, which and we said before that sometimes it really helps for a captain to be quick and efficient and decisive. Yeah, so that's... Again, that might be uh, first-time nerves. It could just be the dynamic that they uh, worked upon. Yeah. Because I'm not sure how Bristol chooses their captains, but it's often the ones that they think are able to lead the conversation. I'm inclined to think first-time nerves. Yeah, for sure. So we'll just have to wait and see if they're able to come back for uh, best-scoring losers, Mm -hmm. which I think is a strong likelihood, but you never know. And I think the Durham team seem to be having fun. They definitely seem to be a bit more at ease. Yeah. And... I think it's just they have such a pedigree of previous students to be able to kind of uh, yeah. coach them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Holly Parkinson, uh, the captain from two years back. Um, was it two years back? I think it was. Or was it? No, it was two years back because it, it was our first season. <laughs> We've been doing this for so long. I know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, she called herself a brown, proud grandmother-esque um, yeah, right. on, um, <laughs> on Twitter. And I think that you could see it just like with uh, the Imperial team. You know, you could see that... You know, they yeah. got to where they were because they have such a strong, you know, backing and, yeah. Yeah, of all these previous winners all getting very close to winning Absolutely. to help, you know. They can definitely give them some really good advice, I think. For sure. Mm. And I think it's just the chemistry was really there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if because Durham is a collegiate uh, system. I don't know if they're all part of the same college or not. Uh uh, so, uh, Harry, if you're listening to this, uh, please let us uh, know on Twitter. Sure, yeah. Uh, but if they're all in the same college, that means they have much more time to spend together to, mm. you know, get together and get to know each other mm. and so forth. Oh, yeah, we've talked about how all that really makes a difference. Yeah, which is why sometimes you feel like the Oxford and Cambridge uh, teams tend to seem like they have a slightly better camaraderie because, you know, there's only <laughs> so many people on a college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. five people. <laughs> yeah, unless you are in a graduate, so you have a different uh, common room, you more or less hang out all the time if you want to be social. Sure. So do you want to talk about some interesting questions? Yes. Um, I have to say I love the music round. Yeah. It is, there's something so wonderful about the music of Studio Ghibli movies. Yeah, I know, right? It was wonderful to see yeah. and, even, and connect. Even though I'm not particularly familiar, like I can't name off the top of my head, mm. I was able to correctly guess Porco Rosso. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because it sounded like the music you'd hear about an anthropomorphic pig in a uh, biplane. <laughs> just, just you know that from just hearing it. Yeah, and then also the music for Hell's Moving Castle. Like, oh, of course, it's so grand and it sweeps. Yeah, and Spirited Away as well. Oh, Spirited Away as the first creepy, choice. Um, 
undertones. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I probably would have, would have guessed uh, Graveyard of the Fireflies, mm-hmm. purely because it would have made me cry. Yeah, I know. They probably didn't choose that because, you know, that's too emotional for uh, such yeah. a wholesome TV show. Um, I also thought the questions were generally more diverse, like you were saying, mm. a lot more questions on just women, um, disciplines, cultures, and histories from different parts of the world. So there was a really nice questions question on female athletes. Um, who achieved firsts in 2021, mm-hmm. right? So that was cool. I don't think people... I don't think that's something that typically reaches people's radar. So that was good that it was there. We had a few questions on names given to branches of algebra. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these terms kind of coming from uh, Middle Eastern countries where algebra was kind of initially developed. Um, so that was really good to see. Yeah, I have to say the one about the female firsts in 2021... I was not super impressed with Bristol's uh, <laughs> random name choices. Yeah, so again, it's something that's very under, um, not very well understood, I mm. think. But I think the more we put it on people's radar, the more we ask questions about it, give it visibility, I think it will just, it is a matter of time. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed, of course I did, because I am who I am. I enjoyed the question about uh, Polish video game studios. <laughs> oh yeah, that was good fun. And I was surprised because, you know, when we think of Polish game studios, we tend to mainly think of CD Projekt Red. Yeah. And if you know your shooters, people can fly. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, you know, they're not that well known necessarily, but there's so many excellent games that have come out of that country. Yeah, I know, right? Like uh, Call to Quares, I mean, that's had mixed feelings, but that has got Carl Furwing. Frostpunk is a fantastic, bleak yeah, it's, um, it's survival a management game. Really great industry for Poland. Yeah, and of course, The Witcher. Yeah. And, you know, CD Projekt love The Witcher. Yeah, and CD Projekt Red, I think, counts for an insane amount of Poland's GDP now. I think that must have been one of their most um, successful releases. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're still selling like hotcakes, especially since Cyberpunk 2077 got not fantastic launch, to say the least. All right. So shall we move into some stats? Absolutely. So um, again, courtesy of UC Stats on Twitter, very, very high scores for both teams. What I found particularly impressive was how there were just interruptions all over the place, flying left and right, but none of them were incorrect. Hmm. So no dropped points uh, nine interruptions from Bristol and eight from Durham. That is very impressive <laughs> to think that there were so many interruptions and not a single one. Because there were some incorrect starters. But yes. there were none that were interruptions, which I think was quite good. Yeah, correct. So um, Durham managed to get 11 out of their 12 starters correct. Bristol, 10 out of 11. So really um, very good showing. That is very impressive. And uh, what about the um, stats regards uh, bonus questions? Well, with bonus questions, they were actually, well, I mean, the final scores showed that they were very evenly matched. So it was close to about 56% on both sides. Um, in fact, exactly 17 out of 30 questions apiece. Wow. Yeah, so it's just because Durham got one extra starter very close to the end that um, gave them the victory this time. That is incredible. And there we go. as we've mentioned before, um, the importance of having uh, your bonus in the high 50s yes uh, both teams manage that so mm-hmm. I think this is another indicator that these two are teams that we can really see get going uh, further yeah I hope to see um, similar teams or similar showings like this in the coming weeks I'm very excited yeah like we said this has set a very high first bar which is not strictly fair because sometimes we've seen teams which had a very slow beginning <laughs> become absolute monsters <laughs> in the second and quarterfinals right somehow yeah so um, and vice versa of course and vice versa we've seen teams crash and burn yeah I mean uh, I still heard about the Manchester team uh, two years ago uh, where yeah, I think the most impressive first to 100 I've seen in a long time. And then <laughs> something went wrong in the second round. Yeah, well, 
it happens. Uh, but again, this is not a reflection on ability. It's just anything can happen on television. Mm-hmm. You could just have a bad day, or the questions could just not go your way. Yeah, and really, we're just watching this for the wholesomeness to see amazing, incredible people be really smart on TV. That's really what this show is about. Well, actually, no. What we're really here for oh, well, is the well. fashion. <laughs> Great segue. What about that for a segue, huh? <laughs> so yeah, I have a favorite. Do you? Of course I do. All right. So on the count of three. One, One, two, two three. Richardson. Radcliffe. Oh, my goodness. Richardson, really? Well, Radcliffe was my second. Okay. But then, I, I don't know, I just really like Richardson's, um, the kind of fade that she had going on her top. Mm. Um, and then paired with very nice necklace and earrings. I thought that uh, was really elegant look and very chic. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. I also agree that uh, it was very hard to choose because everyone mm. really you know, put it, in yeah. effort uh, mm. for this. Um, you know, they brought them threads. Yeah, I chose Radcliffe because I'm a I have a soft spot for colorful shirts. Yeah, yeah, he was a, yeah. Was yeah, a but one. also you know for the other side of the Durham team, I thought Bennett's knitwear was very lovely. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I think uh, she did a good job. Very uh, distinguished. Yeah, and Scully and Margot, I think. <laughs> they just are naturally so well put together that uh, it just kind of elevates it. Even know, though it's not fair, is it? it? Of course, it's not fair. But that's the thing with aesthetics; it's just not fair. <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's not to say that um, you know the rest of Bristol were a slouch either. I really mm-hmm. mentioned McLaughlin's fantastic knitwear. Mm-hmm. So anyone who pulls out wonderful sartorial uh, knitwear gets bonus points in my book. Yeah. So we forgot doing our um, fashion poll yesterday, but we will do it again next week. Yes, for sure. We will definitely not forget the second time round. Uh, right. I think we're just so caught up in the emotions of finally <laughs> being able to watch this wonderful TV show Ripping again. Ripping the edge of our sofa like Roger Tilling. <laughs> yes, that was so incredible. I, I mean, it was a really mind-blowing that it was live his um, uh, voiceover but the fact that he's literally holding on for dear love when he's almost shouting these names into his microphone know, that was great. Oh, he seems like such a wonderful man even yeah. when he's naturally talking he's got these big hand movements moving around a, he's a national treasure he is if he doesn't get knighted um, <laughs> I am going to write a very strongly worded letter to the royal family yeah you should absolutely do that yes well well I think that brings us to the end of this episode thank you for joining us if you stayed till the end yes thank you so much it feels so good to be back again yeah and of course uh, since uh, we seem to be getting a little bit more traction on Twitter which is wonderful thank you so much to everyone who's been following the last uh, couple of months especially since last night been interacting with our live tweeting we would love to hear from you how how do you feel about this first match? What were your favorite moments? Who do you think uh, really shone, or which team do you think was most deserving of uh, their win or undeserving of their loss? Absolutely. So you can get us uh, get in touch with us um, on Twitter. We are I got that one, or you can even drop us an email at igtopodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, anything from you know advice to input to fun laughs. If you are a member of someone who's taking part or has taken part. Yeah. Please, we would love to hear from you. We really you. do love hearing from teams yeah. whenever you get in touch with us, so it's always fun. Yeah, anything that you know you're allowed to say that the producers haven't told you to keep shtum about. Yep. Yeah. All right. So until next week, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from me. <laughs>